Welcome to a special episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. I'm Anella Malik. You can find me on most platforms under the name Feed the Malik. I'm here with my co-host, KJ Kearney, who you can find under the name Black Food Fridays. And this episode is very special. So we are going to be talking about the labor shortage or the so-called labor shortage, especially as it relates to the food and beverage service industry today. But before we dig into it, we have to shout out our sponsor. Special thanks to Flipboard for sponsoring this episode. And as we'll get into in the episode, we put together a storyboard on Flipboard that you can access via the link in our show notes that's going to have a collection of articles that we curated, pieces that will help you further understand this topic because it is it's a big one. And it's it's a really important topic as we quote unquote, emerge from COVID as the economy changes and as we're talking about getting back to work and getting back to service, right? Going to restaurants, visiting bars, things like that. This is going to be something we're talking about for, I think, years to come. So KJ, how are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. It's been interesting talking to people online and in real life about their thoughts on this labor shortage. Uh, there's a lot of different opinion. Um, But it seems to be, at least in my discovery, two separate camps. So I'm excited to talk about what I found by talking to people and, you know, who follow me and the restaurateurs I know and the service workers that I know. Yeah. So a little background for the folks. We put together this curated storyboard on Flipboard to kind of give you a reference point to, to dig into this episode. And then... KJ and I solicited input using our social media platforms. We reached out to our audience and we said, if you are in the service industry, if especially in food, if you work in a restaurant, if you own a restaurant, if you manage a restaurant, if you're a bartender, if you used to be and you left during the pandemic, tell us why. Tell us what you think about the labor shortage. Is there a shortage? How are you feeling about it? So that's going to be the first half of this episode because we don't work in the service industry at least I don't anymore. I did work in restaurants in a long time and we didn't want to center ourselves in this conversation. There are a lot of experts. There's a lot of studies and think pieces about this, but we want to bring you insights from the workers themselves. They will be anonymous. Some of the clips we're going to be reading to you because some people wanted to protect their identity. And we felt that it was the best way to get honest feedback from folks about this topic. So let's dig into it. KJ, when you say that from your impressions talking to people, there are two camps, what does that mean? Yeah, there are two camps. There's the the proletariat, the people who are working in the restaurants who have one opinion on what the labor shortage means And then you have people who own the restaurants, whether they own the restaurant group or they are the manager or the general manager of a restaurant and they have their own opinion. There's some overlap and the overlap that I witnessed was that they understand this is a difficult and um, very tense conversation to have. And there's a lot of nuance that needs to be added to this discussion as it talks about labor and rights and money and what people should or should not be doing with their time what they should or should not be finding valuable. But those are the two the two camps. It's the the worker camp, which is very much like a, they should pay us more, uh, restaurant working sucks, uh, people talk to you like you're crazy, customers talk to you like you're crazy, people don't want to wear a mask, they don't want to tip, like they feel a lot of abuse. 
at least that's the word that was coming to me was there's a lot of abuse in the restaurant industry. And when you're only making, you know, $12 an hour, $10 an hour plus tips, uh, it's like, well, why, why would I do this when I could figure out a way to work from home or another job that may pay just as bad, but at least I won't be abused. And then the restaurant owners, they have overhead to consider and taxes and laws and, you know, all this other stuff to consider. One person I spoke to, of course, under the guise of anonymity was like, uh, you know, this person pays their staff very well, way over what I would even think, a, you know, like, for instance, they pay their dishwasher $20 an hour. And I was like, wow, like, is that normal to do? And they were like, no, I don't, I don't think anyone pays that money. And while it's great, I'm also still worried because it's the restaurant industry and turnover is real. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to this. I'm interested, though, especially in the D.C. area, like what were you finding out when you talked to service workers and, and restaurateurs? Yeah, so I got great feedback. And I will say that the majority of people that I spoke to about this topic were workers. They were not management level. They weren't owners. And the abuse that you said you heard about, I think I heard <laughs> in every single conversation, there was a thread of it. Yeah. So I want to read just a couple of the snippets that people shared with me, because I think it's really important. So one person said that they've been in the industry for a long time. And now, quote, people are rude, like never before. The entitlement and lack of care for us from customers is staggering. I love being back working and seeing people again. But if I didn't work somewhere that took our side over customers and didn't pay as well as it did, I would have never gone back. So let's digest that a little bit. Like this person explicitly said people are acting crazy, but I work in a place where I feel supported by our manager or our owner. They, you know, they take our side, they stand up for us and they pay well. And so that's what's encouraging this person to deal with the BS from customers. So that's one. And then, you know, I, I heard a lot about the fact that the pandemic and how it's changed service really took away the joy that a lot of people felt who were career service, food service folks, um, the changing rules, the, the inability to really be truly social. And so that made it harder for them to, in their words, kind of, you know, feel the joy that they felt being of service. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Much like in the education world, it's one of those jobs that is very fulfilling or can be very fulfilling, but is also very thankless. And at least with elementary school kids, I don't have to worry about getting cursed out too often or, you know, <laughs> or anything like that. So I could I could definitely understand from the worker's perspective. I mean, I worked in fast food, which is not the same thing as working at a, you know, like a, a dine-in restaurant. Uh, but the sentiment is the same. People seem to lose themselves when they go to restaurants. They they kind of they they're no longer the person they were. And now they become this person who is all of a sudden entitled and required so much more than they would if we were not in this restaurant. So I think, you know, while we're going to continue this conversation talking about the labor shortage, and I think it's very important. One of the things I want to put out there is that a lot of this is on us as customers, right? Like the abuse that these restaurant workers are taking is from us. 
And I'm not doing it. You're not doing it. But we're still a part of that us. Right. And so we might not be able to do anything about the pay and we can't do anything about benefits, but we can do something about how we treat those who serve us and and people who service us. I remember when COVID first really became a thing and it shut everything down. I had a friend I was talking to and he said that the thing that's shocking to him is how desperate some white people feel the need to be served. Like they wanted to be served. They wanted to go in a restaurant. Damn if someone's going to get sick and die, right? Like they didn't care about that. They didn't care about the mask. They wanted to be going, like they wanted the ability to go in a restaurant and tell somebody, go get that for me. Fetch that, right? Not again, I don't, I don't know how accurate that is. That's a that's an opinion that he has. But I will say that there is some need. There seems to be a desire for people to rush back into restaurants and go back to normal, not keeping in mind that we are in different times now and we should be considerate of those times. So I hope going forward that we as customers take in the totality of the situation and treat people better than we were treating them before COVID. Yeah, I think that's an important point. And I've heard from, you know, my friends who are still in the industry about how they feel like we should be tipping like never before, but also that customers now that we're quote unquote reopening are making demands in a way that it's like they forgot that we're still in the pandemic. So they're very upset when things are slow or... Um, They're like, you know, you're reopened. Why don't you have the whole menu again? Why do you have a limited menu? But COVID isn't over, right? Just because we're comfortable being outside again doesn't mean that it's over. It doesn't mean that supply chain issues are over. It doesn't mean that costs are not still rising. (laughs) All of those things. So, okay, we've talked about the abuse and I want to shift gears a little bit because there were some other threads that I kind of picked up and were very explicit in my discussions with people about this topic in the last week. So people overwhelmingly told me who are in the industry that they want better pay and benefits, but that there's also a factor that they don't think is being discussed enough. And that's that many people got new jobs during the pandemic because even though we had unemployment benefits or an unemployment, you know, was expanded and, and depending on where you were, there were different rules for it, but in many places, and this is a quote, um, from someone, unemployment took 16 weeks, this person said, to pay out. And so by the time it paid out, they had already had to find another job to live. And they, this person emphasized that like, maybe if unemployment was quicker, maybe if it was a process that wasn't so convoluted, you know, they would have felt more comfortable relying on that, but they didn't. So they got another job. And this was repeated over and over and over again among the industry folks that I talked to that are still in the industry, they said half of my friends who left, it's because they got another job and they were searching during the pandemic. So they were looking specifically for something that was more stable, right? More reliable. And they found it. So now that they found something more reliable, why would they go back to a career where the pay is really variable, where they might not have benefits, where, you know, you could you could take the metro to work and then get cut because it's slow and have to go home. And and so I I felt like that was a really interesting thread that many, many people reiterated. Man, that's I think that's a very, very good point. 
You know, I find it interesting, Anella, that we are spending a lot of time, and I don't mean you and I because we kind of work in the food space, but I do find it interesting how much noise has been around this ideal of there being a labor shortage specifically in the restaurant industry because there are other industries that are also facing a shortage, right? Um, I know I keep talking about education, but there is a legit teacher shortage and there has been for a very long time, right? But that doesn't seem to be getting the same amount of coverage because, again, that doesn't massage the ego of people, right? Being served and serviced is something that people long to have again, especially when you've been cooped up in the house for a year, year and a half, right? And I get that. I 100% get that. But this is not the only industry that is facing a shortage. So I just wonder, you know, and, and I'm going to ask you, why do you think that so much focus has been put on the restaurant industry's labor shortage as compared to education or any other industry? So I think that at least I would assume, right? I don't know, but the teacher shortage is longstanding. We're talking about this new kind of phenomena coming out of the COVID-19 crisis. And as you said, we, I think as a culture, have been really focused on getting back to quote unquote normal. We wanted things to return to the way they were. We wanted to feel like our lives could go back to the way that they were so we could forget about this horrific year and we could have time to process the trauma of all of the people that we lost and all of the things that we lost. And I think restaurants and bars, you know, these service oriented spaces are symbolic of that desire because we were stuck at home, but also because it was such a large part of many people's social life previously. And so it's hard in, in my view to think about a new normal where we don't get to do that anymore or where we do, but it's just different. And it's symbolic of all of the things that people missed, going out to happy hour with friends, uh, being able to go to bottomless brunch, uh, all of those things. And so, I, I really think we've been longing for that. And I understand it because I was, um, but you're right. This is not the only industry that's having uh, difficulties hiring. It's not the only industry that is facing what I like to think of. Somebody said this to me, it's, it's not a labor shortage. It's a, a great realignment. And, you know, it remains to be seen what happens in the restaurant industry in the future, which is what we'll be talking about after this short break. As creators, we love curating in-depth, thoughtful packages of information for our communities like you all, which is why we've partnered with Flipboard for this episode focused on labor in the food and beverage service industry. Flipboard is full of recommended stories on just about every topic, and it's a great tool for saving what you find interesting, which is how we use it. Check out our collection in the show notes for today's episode and use or click the link to dig into the articles and voices that we pulled together there on Flipboard to enrich your understanding of today's topic. You can sign up for Flipboard for free in any of the app stores, or you can sign up on the web at flipboard.com slash at feedthemalik. All right. So we've talked just a little bit about the shortage, about 
what we've heard from people in the industry about it. And now I want to look to the future a little bit, but I'm going to start off by reading some more of the insights that I received from industry workers that I think kind of touch on where we might see some parts of the industry move in the future. So for example, I was, I, I got feedback from a, uh, a manager at a Chipotle actually. And, and they said that, it's an extremely busy location. And up until a month ago, they were severely understaffed and they had been for months. They had to close their main food line every night and just handle mobile orders because they didn't have enough staff. And they had to close early sometimes because they didn't have enough people. And on top of that, they had seven people quit all in the same week, likely because they couldn't handle the stress. So at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of the employees had reduced hours and gone on unemployment and it had been difficult and some of those employees hadn't come back yet. And this manager noted that Chipotle is definitely on the harder end of quote unquote fast food jobs or fast casual jobs. And they're sure that a lot of people think it's not worth it. And they said clearly as a result, Chipotle has a shortage of workers. And so they raised their minimum wage at all stores to $15. And this person said they already work at a store that had a minimum wage of $16.50. So with the new increase, their store minimum is $18.50 to $19 an hour. And that for them specifically, that pay raise is what has enticed them to stay. So that's, that's the first kind of tidbit I can see looking towards the future. And it's in some of the reporting that we're reading in major food verticals now about restaurants that are finally able to hire after they raise the minimum wage. Which is interesting because before COVID, you had organizations like Fight for 15 who were really taking it to corporations, specifically McDonald's, but other fast food and fast casual corporations like, yo, this pay is not enough. And it's just, you know, interesting to see that a year later, it's almost become mandatory, right? Like if you don't pay at least 15, you're going to have a hard time staffing um, your restaurants. So uh, am I happy that COVID happened? No, but I do think there are some positives that came from this. And I think increased pay is one. You can see some articles in that in the stories we've curate, curated for you in the Flipboard uh, storyboard as well. Uh, and as well, uh, one of the things that I've seen when I was talking to people is uh, a lot of people, service workers are not against the food industry. They just don't like the abuse they've been taking. So a lot of them, and there's an article that you can see, um, are starting their own thing, you know, uh, Pepsi sent me to Baltimore to do some work. I met a gentleman named Eric Williams. He he owns this place called Nacho Bangers. It's a ghost kitchen. You know, they just serve at the window. So they do DoorDash and people walk up and they want to order and they sit there and wait outside and get their food. It's just him, his wife and his sister, just three of them. And he showed me his DoorDash receipts, bro. And he made $38,000 in the last 30 days, Right him, his wife, and his sister. And so what you're seeing is a lot of people who have this skill set because they've worked in the industry for a while, they know food, they know marketing a little bit, you know, and they figure like, well, instead of waiting on somebody to pay me $15 an hour, I can ghost kitchen it up. You know, I can, I could do delivery only, takeout, catering, pop-ups, 
And so you're seeing a wave of new entrepreneurs, just like we did in the 2008 recession, where you had, you know, certain apps come up that we now find ubiquitous. We couldn't live without the Ubers of the world. Right. You're going to see you're seeing and you're going to continue to see a lot of these restaurant workers who have this experience and are just like, screw it. Me and my homeboy, we were on the line anyway. We can just, you know, open up a food cart, not even a truck, bro. We'll just do a cart. We'll do pop ups. We'll do private dinners. We'll do whatever. And we can make that money for ourselves. So I think that's something you're going to see going forward. I think so as well. We're seeing home-based pop-ups, ghost kitchens, carts, like you said, people who have a long history in the industry spinning off to work for themselves. And I got another comment that I think is really important to consider. So one person said that they personally are more attracted to places that are offering healthcare and other benefits and that are very upfront about what kind of money you're expected to make. And they said a lot of people are making a big deal about hiring bonuses, which they personally think are kind of BS. Offering a one-time bonus is not going to make a difference to most people. So again, you know, coming out of this long period of pandemic-induced uncertainty and job loss for a lot of people, they're looking for better pay, but they're also looking for stability, for benefits, for you know, feeling like they're working for an employer where they know what to expect and they know that they're going to be taken care of. You know, something I would like to see is a conversation uh, about the structure of work. What I mean by that is um, Tim Ferriss wrote a really good book uh, called The Four Hour Work Week. You know, Andrew Yang has been talking about when he was running for president and even afterwards about redefining how we classify work. Right. Um, with technology, things are supposed to be getting easier or better. And we've instead used technology to put more pressure on ourselves, on our workers, on everyone. I think um, I would like to see a redefining of what work is, including in the restaurant industry, right? Like people complain because, you know, they're not anybody. There's no one in Walmart to service you anymore. You got to go to the kiosk. Well, obviously, they found that <laughs> that's better for everybody, right? Like, uh, the, the workers aren't getting abused now. Also, the workers are losing their jobs in some cases. Uh, but, you know, it's more efficient for the business. The workers are getting abused. Uh, I, I saw where McDo some McDonald's are now, you know, having people put their order in at a kiosk, pay for it at the kiosk and then pick it up at the counter. I think you're going to see a lot more technology being used to kind of streamline processes and therefore, you know, I, I really think that I don't know if this counts as a hot take, Anella, but let me know what you think. I think there are some very enterprising businessmen and women who are going to use COVID as their excuse to speed up automation. Automation, I think, is one of the great threats to American workforce that we do not really spend any time talking about. There are jobs from uh, radiology all the way down to service positions that are being lost to machinery and technology. And I think COVID is going to just exasperate that problem, especially in the restaurant industry, because we're finding that there's a lot of stuff that can be done to make money and keep the restaurant flowing without dealing with people. So I, I, I would look forward to, to seeing what that looks like. I mean, I think that many business owners would likely move towards automation if it'll save them money. And that would probably result in job loss. But there is a counter argument that uh, I've seen a thread of 
among some restaurant owners that were quoted in the articles, and you can read them in the storyboard, folks, but who said that for them, investing in their staff has paid off. It's paid off in higher reviews, higher Google and Yelp reviews, better customer satisfaction, customers are spending more, they're tipping more. And so they're framing it as actually a good business model to spend a little bit more um, to create a staff that values the business and invests in the business, uh, right? That feels like they're truly a part of something as opposed to just showing up to work. So it remains to be seen in my view, if automating everything is going to be the solution, because what we're going to lose if that happens is the service aspect. And at least for me, as somebody who was a server for a long time, I love the banter, the chit chat, the jokes, you know, the back and forth, especially at a place, for example, that I go to often in my neighborhood where I can kind of get to know them. That is the kind of thing that I hope we don't lose. And I don't think it's possible to automate those experiences at least. And I, I do think if we see a huge and faster shift towards ordering on kiosk, picking up at the counter, that's not necessarily gonna increase customer satisfaction. It might cut costs, but that it remains to be seen whether the customers you know, want that. Do we want every experience to be like a McDonald's? Well, I mean, again, that's still redefining how work is, right? Um, if they have decided, they as in the restaurant owners have decided that paying their staff more is actually a benefit to the overall, uh, the overall uh, health of the business, then I think you're going to see that. I'm just saying, you know, like I said before, I think some people are going to use COVID as an excuse to automate things because they don't want to deal with people. They don't want to deal with employees. They don't want to deal with customers. They just like push the button, give us your money. It's coming through the chute. Everybody go about their business. I mean, there are some restaurants where that's not going to work, right? If I'm spending $200 on a steak, I don't want to order from the kiosk, right? Like, I want to talk to somebody and ask some questions, but most of our dining experiences are not like that. You know, most of our dining experiences are pretty straightforward and to the point. And so I think you're going to see more automation. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that given what we've been through, our memories are kind of long, especially when it's a painful experience and the pain of having to fire people, having to let them go, having to reduce their hours, you know, I think some people, again, are going to use this as an excuse to cut back on staffing and try to do more automation. But I think also some people are traumatized from the experience. It's like, how can I not face that again? That's true. I mean, it's been a tumultuous time for everyone. And seeking stability is a common thread among workers, business owners. And I will end on one note that we haven't brought up yet because I think this was an interesting one and it was the one that surprised me and, and, and a lot of the other, the talk about benefits, pay, you know, the difficulty with unemployment, the lack of joy, those are things that I had expected, but this was something that I did not expect. So someone said to me, demand spiked so hard and so fast as people got vaccinated that we didn't expect it and we couldn't keep up. And it resulted in exhaustion and burnout. And it's been incredibly exhausting for everyone involved. And that really struck me because you know what? That I was one of those people. I got vaccinated 
I got the Johnson and Johnson. I waited my two weeks, two weeks in a day. And I was like, I'm going to see my mom. You know, <laughs> I, was right. I was out after, after having been home for the year, I was like, it's time <laughs> we're going to restaurants. Um, you know, we're going to go to our favorite places. And I, I like to think that at least I, I hope, you know, I was a conscientious and patient diner. I, I knew what to expect that it was going to be slower. They were still going to have limited menus, et cetera, et cetera. But I think people have been itching to get out for so long and to feel safe uh, and to feel like they can have those experiences with people that they care about that we have overwhelmed, you know, these, these service workers who, frankly, were doing impossible work during the pandemic. 100%. Um, so, yeah, I would like to think that we both are conscientious diners and that we are not pressured or adding pressure to a, an already volatile situation. But should, even our, our presence, right, even as nice as we may be, as much as we may tip, even our presence might just be one more straw to the to break the camel's back. So my apologies to anyone, you know, if my presence has made has made your job tougher. I hope that I tip well enough and that I'm kind enough that, that it doesn't feel that way, but you're right. I didn't even think about that perspective is that as people get vaccinated, I mean, they're still going to try to host the Olympics, bro. Like they're still going to do that. And a lot of people in Japan are like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like people are still, they're still going to hold the Olympics, right? Like I I was listening to NPR today and they were saying that 10,000 volunteers quit bro they're like are y'all really gonna host the olympics nah i'm out because you know japan hasn't been as liberal with their vaccinations as we are i think they just now start allowing people 65 and younger to get the vaccine so there's a bunch of people in japan even though the olympics are around the corner that have not been vaccinated and they're like screw this i think that's the most extreme example of worker burnout and fatigue but People are just so they're they're dying to get back to quote unquote normal that you're right. It's going to overwhelm people. It's going to it's already overwhelming some, but it's going to continue to overload the system. But, you know, maybe the system needs to break. Maybe the way we've been doing things isn't the best way to do it. And sometimes you need things to break in order to build it back in a way that's beneficial for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's pretty clear where KJ and I stand on this issue, right? I think that all workers deserve a living wage. They deserve predictability, right? To know that you're going to make a certain amount when you go into work so that you can plan and pay your bills and do all of those things that they tell us we should do as responsible adults in the United States of America. I think people should have access to healthcare. Uh, I think healthcare is a basic right. I mean, really, but those things have, long been lacking for some some members of our society, right? And so now we're seeing, at least in the restaurant industry, spiking demand with a limited workforce as so many people either left or were fired or let go, you know, during the pandemic. And that's why I like to think of it as this great realignment, because what we're really seeing is that the balance of power has shifted. So we end every episode with shout outs as we should for the good and the bad and all the interesting things happening around us. So KJ, what's your shout out for this episode? Uh, I want to give a shout out to two people, actually. G Smalls at Virgil's Gullah Kitchen and Bar in College Park, Georgia, which I finally had an opportunity to go visit. It is 
it is as spectacular as advertised from the food uh, to the atmosphere. It was one o'clock in the afternoon. They're playing back that ass up by juvenile. Like you can't get better than that. And then on the way home, I stopped in Orangeburg, South Carolina. I went to Randolph's artesian Italian ice and gelato owned by Devin and Nikisha Randolph. Nikisha's from Charleston. They are doing a great job in Orangeburg of all places, you know, a small rural town in South Carolina, and they're cranking out some very sweet and savory gelatos. So I got some on the way home. So shout out to them. How about yourself? Well, shout out to Kitty, who just decided to chime in in the background. Um, (laughs) But I also wanted to, for this episode in particular, shout out all of the food and beverage industry workers who gave us their insights. And so we did keep folks anonymous so that we could, you know, try to encourage them to be as candid as possible. But when we put out the call asking for their insights, at least on my end, I had, you know, questions and commentary from everyone from managers to cooks to bussers, hosts and servers, right? I really felt like we were getting the full spectrum. Also a few a few bar uh, folks as well, folks who work in bars. And so I just want to say thank you for trusting us with your, you know, your voice and your insights and I hope we represented them as accurately as possible. I I know we did try. And I just think that that, you know, that's been a real pleasure of this podcast and of our platforms in general is that we get to know these folks on a deeper level. And with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fix Your Plate podcast on the Eat, Drink, and Dine Network. Special thanks to Flipboard for sponsoring this episode. Check out the link in the show notes for the storyboard we put together. It is a great collection and you will be able to kind of dig into this topic, but also to hear from a really well-rounded group of voices about the labor shortage or the great realignment as we might call it. And as always, we encourage you to like this podcast on whatever platform you're on, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, you know, the whole nine, like us, follow us, subscribe, whatever they allow you to do. And please leave a comment and share with all your foodie friends and family. Until next time, peace.